Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. What's up, everyone, and welcome to The Reluctant Historian. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. I'm your host, Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian, Dakota Lawson. On this podcast, I'll tell him a story from history, and he'll share his unapologetic thoughts and opinions. So, if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. On today's episode, Dakota, we are talking about the Tunguska event. The Tunguska event? Yes. I've never heard about that, but it sounds, it's fun to say. Is it a horrific event? No, not really. Okay. For some reason, wait, the Tunguskan what? Event? Tunguska event. Tunguska event. Hmm. Sounds sort of like a tsunami sort of thing. I guess if you have like, yeah, the word event, it can sound like yeah, like a, it's an event. Yeah, like, you know, like that. Oh, you know, people in Japan, oh, you remember that Godzilla event? You know, <laughs> I'm sure that's how they talk about that it. That's how they talk about it. <laughs> but that thing that definitely actually happened in our history. Godzilla was an accurate representation of historical events. Obviously. Obviously, yeah. Okay, Tunguska event. Yes. Any guesses? Mm, well, you didn't say it was a tsunami, so, and you said it's not super tragic. Tunguska. I I have no idea. I can't other than tsunami. <laughs> I got nothing. Well, I I think you're kind of like in the right realm. It's probably just cuz it starts with a T, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, good alliteration. It's not good. You don't have to don't play Kate me. <laughs> so sorry. All right. So sit down, buckle up and get ready to listen to the history of the Tunguska event. by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement and recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. Okay, so listeners, we have some updates for what's happening for us for the summer months. Um, We wanted to take some time to let you know about a couple changes that will be happening here at the Reluctant Historian for the summer months. As you know, I am a teacher And that means that I get the summer to recharge my batteries and get ready for our coming school year. Hold on. In this, in this, uh, little role play that I'm calling it or that we're going to do here, can I play the part of the listener? Sure. Okay. I don't know what you're going to do, but. Well, well, this is me reacting to the news. Okay. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. What's, what's the new news? I don't like change. As such, we're going to be changing the format of The Reluctant Historian for July and August to give me a wee bit of a break for the research and editing end. But don't worry, in September we'll be back to the format that you know and love. I I don't I don't know about this. You're what what are we going to be seeing if if uh, it's going to be changing? What's the new format? All right. Well, in July and August, good listener asking questions, uh the shows are going to be a bit shorter, a 
bite-sized piece of history, if you will, think 15 to 20 minutes, we will also be premiering a new segment called New News. Hold on, hold on. 15 minutes? Sounds lazy to me. (laughs) Those lazy teachers. (laughs) Those lazy money-grubbing teachers. (laughs) Those are not true stereotypes of us. We work hard. Um... I'm I'm married to a teacher and uh well <laughs> yeah I'm not allowed to say if they're true or not They're not true. Anyways, no, they're not money grabbing or lazy. <laughs> oh, you got that, eh? <laughs> okay. And and what's this new news? You want me to say it? Yeah, I don't uh, actually have anything written down. Oh, new news. Uh are are you are you requesting nudes? <laughs> No, no, <laughs> no, new news. New news is a segment in which Dakota and I are going to talk about something that's happening that uh, is topical and has to do with that time period. And then I don't know what we're doing with it after that. No, I think it'd just be fun to just talk about what's actually going on in our world and what we can, uh, I don't know, so start a the- conversation about it with the listeners potentially and like what you guys think about stuff. Because a lot of the stuff that we talk about might not be something that people have heard of necessarily but if we do something topical to add to it i feel like there'll be more of a could be more of a discussion Mm -hmm. so just a new little fun thing that we're calling new news not to be confused with new nudes yes um we'll have our 15 to 20 minute episodes and then we'll have our new segments called new news but don't worry we'll still be delivering the high quality jokes that you've come to know and love just in a smaller form That definitely sounded like I read that instead of just talking off the cuff like I just have been. (laughs) I wrote that down for him to say, and I was like, you know what, I don't necessarily think that that fits in this part anymore, but I I have to stick to the script. I think you should leave that in to show how how you control this show at every every point. (laughs) She just handed me her phone after I was going off the cuff, and she's like, here, say this. So a little bit behind the scenes action for you guys. <laughs> I script his jokes for him. Yeah, I'm 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 not as witty as you guys think I it's am. It's all me. Yeah, she's the mastermind, my uh, ghostwriter, as as you will. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, so it'll still be a fun challenge for me because y'all know that I love to do a deep dive into these stories. So I actually did do um research for the first three shorty summers, is what I'm calling them. Shorty summers. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Sh- a shorty summers. Yeah. yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> no. 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 We're we're not allowed to say it that way. <laughs> shorty summers, as in like they're short summer episodes. Oh no, I'm familiar. Oh okay. But you know. Anyways, I did the research for a couple of them, so I've got three in the bag. That's really cool. Um, they were super fun actually to do. So cool. at first when I wrote this, I was like, oh, it's gonna be hard for me to just do these short ones, but yeah. they're actually really fun to do because awesome. they're. It, it is still a little bit of a challenge because I was doing this one episode and I was like, oh, but to talk about this, I need to talk about this. And if I'm going to talk about that, then I need to talk about this thing. And I was like, okay, but no, we got to rein it in. So anyways. Yeah. Well, I'm excited and I'm, I know the listeners will be, even though I depicted them as, mm, let's call them what, what uh, my depiction of them seemed a little bit troll like, if you will. Troll? You know, like like trolls on the internet. Oh, okay, yeah. But also in physical form. Yes, with the little diamond belly buttons. <laughs> di- is that a troll thing? Troll dolls, and they got the hair. Oh, I'm. F- I didn't know they had diamond belly buttons. I think so. Hmm. Well, okay. Either way, 
Yeah. It will be a fun time. Yeah. Um, other news, we'll also be creating a Facebook page as a way for you listeners to engage and interact with each other. This will be up and running at the end of August 2021, so make sure to keep an eye out for that. We have big goals for this little show, which include eventually having our own website, better recording equipment, and growing our audience. And all of these new little changes that we're making are steps to get us there, and we couldn't do this without you listeners. We really appreciate all of your support as we continue to grow as a small independent podcast. One request we have from you is to please download our show to your device. This really helps us get an accurate representation of who is listening. And then you can delete it, because I know it takes up space, uh, but if you could just download it, and then you can delete it instead of streaming it. No, you have to keep every episode on your device. That's part of the contract with us, okay? (laughs) Yeah. So Dakota, what's your gold nugget? So my gold nugget is we are going to uh, my hometown this weekend. My hometown. My hometown. I don't know why I sing everything. Uh, I I don't know. But uh, yeah, so we're going to uh, Beachy uh, to see my mother and father. And, um, you know, we're going to have ribs. And gas is a buck thirty one right now. I fucking saw that. I know. I was like, are we going to be able to afford to go to beach? We're definitely going to Costco to fill up. Yeah, because absolutely. Fuck that. Uh, Although I don't know, gas always confuses me. Maybe this isn't the right format to talk about this, but I'm going to go quick. It's at one thirty one at Shell, and then I was at I saw a Husky that was at one twenty six. I don't understand how gas prices work and how that. is adjusted. So I could be wrong here, listeners, and let us know if I am incorrect. But what I understand is there's like a gas boss that like sets the gas prices and each little like husky station or shell station, they have like a window of time to kind of be like, well, for this next 20 minutes, I'll keep it at 126 and then I'll have to raise it to 131 or whatever. So, um, yeah, you can sometimes see that, but generally there's like a, a set price that they have to go with. This gas boss. I don't know if that's actually I'm a thing. I'm picturing him being like this, this, this very like large bald man with like a, uh, a cigar in his mouth and be like, today it's going to go up 131 <laughs> rum. You know? 131 rum? That's a rap song, isn't it? I don't know. 131 rum. Wait, I did this for you once. I sang this song and you're like, I have no idea what that song is, but it's a song. The same one? Yeah. I did this song for you. 131 rum. Make baby girl. I'm not going to say the rest of it. It's, it's dirty. But <laughs> listeners will know what I'm talking about. They'll they know. They are... Down to clown. Down to clown. What is your golden nugget, dear? Um, I've got one day left of school, and I am so pumped. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love teaching. I absolutely adore it. But like I said, um, we work really hard. And summers, we definitely do recharge our batteries. It's a well-earned rest for teachers. Um, so I'm just very excited for the summer. We got an act- we've got an active summer happening. Mm-hmm. Gonna do lots of uh, adventuring around Saskatchewan. Yeah, we're gonna go to a lighthouse. I know! <gasps> it's gonna be great. We're gonna drive there, look at the lighthouse and go, look, a lighthouse, and then go home. <laughs> well, we're gonna take pictures of it for the gram, obviously. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> that seems well worth the two-hour trip. The dogs will get to come. We'll go for a walk. Like, it'll be great. There's a lake, a river there. A- no, there's a lake, Jackfish Lake. So it's at the Koshin okay. Lighthouse. Also, I didn't tell you this. One of my students, she lives near there, mm-hmm. and she did her photo essay about the Koshin Lighthouse. And I was like, it's a sign. What? Yes. That's wild. Yes. Cool. All right. So this Tunguska event has been on my list of two research topics since January. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I was sitting in the office 
trying to think about what to do for today's episode. Um, and sometimes when I'm stuck, I like to look up on this day in history pages to give me some inspiration. Um, and as you would have it, when I looked up June 30th, that was the day of the Tunguska event. Oh, wow. And I was like, it's kismet. It has to happen. It's what? Kismet. Serendipitous. It was meant to be. Oh, I thought you just fucked up your words there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I often fuck up my words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Coda, do you have any th- idea of what this thing is? I know I already asked you that, but it's in my script, so I have to ask you again. <laughs> You're like Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the script. I have to say yeah. it. <laughs> um, hmm, Tunguskin. It's foreign. Mm-hmm. Because that sounds foreign. Yep. An event. It, it, it sounds like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Events are usually big. Yep. Um, that's all I got. I, I don't know. Yeah, me neither. I don't really understand it. Know what it is either. Oh, oh, good. Yeah. I just remembered hearing a dark poot that, um, I just remembered hearing that dark poutine is a podcast that I follow. Um, they had done an episode on it and it piqued my interest. And then I promptly forgot about it until this week. Okay. So. The way you made that sound, you know what it is now, right? I do know what it is now. Okay, because yeah. <laughs> you were like, <laughs> I was like, I have no idea what it is. And you're like, me neither. <laughs> okay, show over, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we gave you your new news and your golden nugget. And that's all you guys really here come yeah. to for. Yeah. Here come to for? Here come to for. Yeah. So the Tunguska event was a massive explosion that occurred near the Podkamyana Tunguska River in Russia mm. on the morning of June 30th, 1908. The, where podcasts were born. That's true. Yeah. Is this the story of how podcasts were born? No. Oh. Um, so that in and of itself maybe isn't that exciting. But okay. what I think is interesting is that many people don't really know what exactly happened. And a bunch of conspiracy theories have sprouted up around this event. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm intrigued. An explosion in Russia. Mm-hmm. Sounds intriguing. Yes. Go on. So on the morning of June 30th, 1908, the Avinki people and Russian settlers in the hills northwest of Lake Bakal observed a column of bluish light nearly as bright as the sun moving across the sky. About 10 minutes later, there was a flash and a sound similar to artillery fire. I'm, I, call, I'm calling it. It's aliens. Eyewitnesses closer to the explosion reported that the source of the sound moved from the east to the north of them. The sounds were accompanied by a shockwave that knocked people off their feet and broke windows hundreds of kilometers away. Definitely aliens. I know I harped on, on ca- cannibalism this la- last episode. Now it's aliens. I guess so. You were excited about aliens in the last episode, too. That's true. The explosion registered at seismic stations across Eurasia, and airwaves from the blast were detected in Germany, Denmark, Croatia, and the United Kingdom, and as far away as Batavia, Dutch East Indies, and Washington, D.C. Wait, the shockwave went all the yeah. way there? Holy shit. Transformers? <laughs> <laughs> you like that one, hey? No. <laughs> no. No, it's not Transformers, or no, you didn't like that one? No, it's not Transformers. Ow, I have a stitch in my side. You made me laugh too much. Yeah, uh, that effect on most people. Okay. It is estimated that in some places, the resulting shockwave was equivalent to an earthquake measuring 5.0 on the Richter scale. Over the next few days, night skies in Asia and Europe were aglow. There are contemporary reports of brightly lit photographs being successfully taken at midnight without the aid of flashbulbs in both Sweden and Scotland. It has been theorized that this sustained glowing effect was due to light passing through the high-altitude ice particles that had formed at extremely low temperatures as a result of the explosion, a phenomenon that was reproduced many years later by space shuttles. 
In the United States, a Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory program in California observed a months-long decrease in atmospheric transparency consistent with an increase in suspended dust particles. Okay, for the for the in layman's terms, what the hell does that mean? They just noticed that this explosion made uh, changes to the atmosphere. Oh, interesting. The explosion itself happened over the sparsely populated eastern Siberian taiga, which is a vast ecoregion located in the heart of Siberia. It flattened an estimated 80 million, 80 million trees Whoa. over an area of 2,150 square kilometers, which I have no real idea of how big that is. Oh, uh, I remember you were <laughs> researching this and asking me, what's the size of uh, this building or something yeah. like that? So I did some Googling, okay. and 100, 150 square kilometers, so 2,000 less yeah. than the space that I'm describing, is 100,000 times bigger than a hockey rink. So math people, if I'm right, the space of the explosion is about 2 million times the size of a hockey rink. Holy fuck. So that was my weird math that I tried to do in my head, and then I just found out that it's actually the whole size of Tokyo. What? Was leveled by this explosion. <sighs> And it was only in, like, trees were the things that were the yeah. mostly affected? Okay, well, that's lucky that it yeah. wasn't actually Tokyo, for instance, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, so it happened in Siberia in 1908, which okay. is, like, not really populated at the time. Oh, okay. Well, mm -hmm. that's that's lucky. Yeah. I hope those aliens don't decide to do it nowadays. Right. So, I'm going to read some eyewitness accounts for you. Okay. Um, I saw a UFO. No. <laughs> no. Though the region of Siberia in which the explosion occurred was sparsely populated in 1908, there are accounts of the event from eyewitnesses who were in the surrounding area at the time, and regional newspapers reported the event shortly after it occurred. And I'm going to read some of those now. So according to the testimony of a person named S. Semenov, he says, <clears throat> At breakfast time, I was sitting by the house at Vanavara Trading Post, which is approximately 65 kilometers south of the explosion, and I was facing north. I suddenly saw that directly to the north, over Onkul's Tunguska Road, the sky split in two and fire appeared high and wide over the forest. The split in the sky grew larger and the entire northern side was covered with fire. At that moment, I became so hot that I couldn't bear it as if my shirt was on fire. From the northern side, from where the fire was, came strong heat. I wanted to tear off my shirt and throw it down, but then the sky shut closed, a strong thump sounded, and I was thrown a few meters. I lost my senses for a moment, but then my wife ran out and led me to the house. After that, such noise came as if rocks were falling or cannons were firing. The earth shook, and when I was on the ground, I pressed my head down, fearing rocks would smash it. When the sky opened up, hot wind raced between the houses like from cannons, which left traces in the ground like pathways, and it damaged some crops. Later, we saw that many windows were shattered, and in the barn, a part of the iron lock snapped. What? This this is crazy. This this uh, shockwave explosion that I know you'll get more into like the conspiracy of it and stuff like that, but nobody knows how this happened, right? I, that's well. There's theories. Like people okay. have thoughts about okay. why it and happened. And you'll, you'll get into that. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious because I'm like right now I'm just like that's alien shit right there. <laughs> Yeah. So according to another person named Chuchan of the Shahan Yagir tribe, stated, We had a hut by the river with my brother Chikarin. We were sleeping. Suddenly, we both woke up at the same time. Somebody sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Is that where, did they ever go, oh, don't be such a Chikarin? <laughs> 
I might even be saying his name wrong, but that's... Either what... way, that joke was worth it. <laughs> totally. So, suddenly we both woke up at the same time. Somebody shoved us. We heard whistling and felt strong wind. Chikarin said, can you hear all those birds flying overhead? We were both in the hut. Couldn't see what was going on outside. Suddenly, I got shoved again, this time so hard that I fell into the fire. I got scared. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where I got all these burns from. (laughs) I got scared. Chikarin got scared too. We started crying out for our father, mother, brother, but no one answered. There was noise beyond the hut. We could hear trees falling down. Chikarin and I got out of our sleeping bags and wanted to run out, but then the thunder struck. This was the first thunder. The earth began to move and rock. The wind hit our hut and knocked it over. My body was pushed down by sticks, but my head was in the clear. Then I saw a wonder. Trees were falling, the branches were on fire. It became mighty bright. How can I say this? As if there was a second sun. My eyes were hurting. I even closed them. It was like what the Russians call lightning, and immediately there was a loud thunderclap. This was the second thunder. The morning was sunny, there were no clouds, our sun was shining brightly as usual, and suddenly there came a second one. Chikarin and I had some difficulty getting out from under the remains of our hut. Then we saw that above, but in a different place, there was another flash, and a loud thunder came. This was the third thunder strike. Wind came again, knocked us off our feet, and struck the fallen trees. We looked at the fallen trees, watched the treetops get snapped off, watched the fires. Suddenly, Chikarin yelled, look up, and pointed with his hand. I looked there and saw another flash, and it made another thunder. But the noise was less than before. This was the fourth strike, like normal thunder. Now I remember well that there was also one more thunder strike, but it was small, and somewhere far away, the sun goes to sleep. I'm surprised these people didn't die from this. Yeah, I think they were far enough away. Yeah, it's just wild that they were able to kind of witness this and Mm -hmm. you know get out alive yeah i did see that there's contested thoughts that maybe three people did die but i couldn't find like actual yeah it's there's more than likely that some people died yeah but i couldn't find like an actual resource that said that right okay other than like it's reported that three people may have died Mm -hmm. still that's for a cataclysmic event like this that's not that bad no so lastly a newspaper called the seber recorded the following on the morning of the 17th of June, around 9 o'clock, so you might notice that I said that this happened on June 30th, but this is saying 17th of June. Russia had a different calendar at the time. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So anyways, June 30th. So anyways, on the morning of the 17th of June, around 9 o'clock, we observed an unusual natural occurrence. In the North Karolinsky village, the peasants saw to the northwest, rather high above the horizon, some strangely bright and impossible to look at bluish-white heavenly body, which for about ten minutes moved downwards. The body appeared as a pipe, so like a cylinder. The sky was cloudless, only a small dark cloud was observed in the general direction of the bright body. It was hot and dry. As the body neared the ground, which was a forest, the bright body seemed to smudge and then turned into a giant billow of black smoke, and a loud knocking, not thunder, was heard as if large stones were falling or artillery artillery was fired hold on is this just did the bad guy from ferngully do this the big smoke guy (laughs) i don't don't know that sounds like what you're describing to me (laughs) is this pollution is is pollution the enemy in this situation (laughs) all buildings shook at the same time the cloud began emitting flames of uncertain shapes all villagers were stricken with panic and took to the streets and they all heard a really uproarious laughter come from the cloud of smoke. Uh, 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 uh. Women cried thinking it was the end of the world. Fair. 
The author of these lines was meantime in the forest about six kilometers north of Kerinsk and heard to the northeast some kind of artillery barrage that repeated in intervals of 15 minutes at least 10 times. In Kerinsk, in a few buildings in the walls facing northeast, the window glass shook. As we know, I have to read the script. So Yes, of course. Eyewitness reports also suggest that at least three people may have died in this incident. Oh, okay. And that's, well, <laughs> yeah, you had said that, but you have to read the script. I get it. <laughs> This incident has baffled scientists for years. The initial investigation was taken up by a person named Leonid Alexievich Kulik. In 1927, after his first expedition to research Tunguska failed, he returned to finally discover what happened, and his findings were troubling. Following the direction of the flattened trees, he found the epicenter of the event in a marsh. Yet there was no crater, which implied that whatever caused this never actually made landfall, mm. nor was there debris. In a 1929 article in the New York Times, this scene was described as the following. In the center, there is an area several miles in diameter where the earth is torn and furrowed as though by a gigantic harrow and also pitted in places with numerous large circular excavations resembling lunar craters. Around this center is a broad zone in which lie millions of trees stripped of their bark and branches and all with their tops pointing outward. They bear marks of a uniform scorch, quite different from the effects of an ordinary forest fire. These trees, some of which are of great size, were evidently blown down by the blast of air produced by the fall of a meteoric mass. The same blast knocked down human beings and damaged houses 50 miles away. The Tungus, who are an indigenous people of this region, told Kulik that one of his relatives had stores and a herd of 1,500 domestic reindeer in the forest when the meteorite fell, and these were all destroyed. Only a few scorched carcasses of the animals could be found, and the storehouse he owned was burned down and the tools inside were completely melted. Not the tools. Not the reindeer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those too, but tools. Mm, that's true. So you may have noted that I said, or that this was described as a meteor hit the earth. Right, but nothing actually hit the earth. Exactly. So generally, the Tunguska event is attributed to some sort of meteoroid or space object that has made contact with the Earth. However, this theory has one big problem, as no confirmed piece of this supposed meteor has ever been found. The closest evidence found are three rocks that were theorized to be meteor fragments, and they were discovered in 2008. Oh, wow. Very recent. But there are some other theories that have sprouted up. Here we go. Initially, some suggested that it might have been a volcano. Well, that's what originally I was going to... I thought that's what where, what this explosion was uh, when you were first describing it. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is going to be a volcano story. But no, it's just an explosion. Or Transformers. Yeah, I mean, that's implied, though. <laughs> Astrophysicist Wolfgang Kunt at the University of Bonn in Germany and some other people uh, suggest that an eruption of natural gas from kimberlite, which is a kind of volcanic rock known for sometimes holding diamonds, could be to blame. According to Kunt, it could have come from the molten earth some 3,000 kilometers deep. The natural gas would be stored as a fluid that deep, and when it reaches the surface, it would become a gas and expand by a factor of a thousand in volume, causing a huge explosion. For support, he cited the pattern that the trees fell in, as well as chemical anomalies. Another conspiracy theory or idea includes a UFO crash. Yeah, that uh, that was actually me. There, You'll find a quote in there from me, actually. So, And which, with the new information that we have about UFOs, maybe it's true? Oh, I, I, I think it's true. I think it was alien shit, man. This theory was created by a science fiction writer named Alexander Kazatstev, 
and who was struck by the similarities between the Tunguska and Hiroshima. He wrote a story in which the Tunguska blast was the exploding of a nuclear power plant in a spaceship from Mars. A few Russian scientists actually took up the cause and claimed to find various bits of evidence, although these were never substantiated, for a civilized alien explanation, and this was actually the name of one of the X-Files episodes based on this kind of idea, that this was a UFO crash. Oh, cool. Some people have suggested that it was a black hole zipping through the Earth. <gasps> Whoa. I want it to be that one now. Which, like, how does that... I don't... Like, I'm not an astrophysicist, so I kind of, like, have no idea how... I don't know, but it sounds cool. Yes. However, this theory does not account for the debris that was left behind by the explosion and does not, and there was no subsequent explosion on the other side of the Earth in the Atlantic Ocean, as one would expect to see if a black hole were to have tunneled through the Earth. Yeah. Also, there would be just a big hole going from one end of the Earth to the other. Well, that's not necessarily how black holes work, though. Oh, do you know? It might pass through in a uh, more of a phasing through sense, you know, where it just phases through the Earth. Doesn't actually leave a hole. Where are you getting this from? But still creates a ripple effect. I'm getting that from uh, the document of my asshole. (laughs) So you can find those documents in my ass. Great. Can't wait. Yeah. (laughs) So my favorite theory is that it was uh, Nikola Tesla testing out his death ray. Oh, interesting. Because um, Tesla, I, like, because I remember when we watched The Prestige. Yes. Right? That's what you're talking about? Yeah, that yeah. man. Uh, so he was the man who pioneered radio and modern alternating current electrical power, AC, systems. Uh, and he was often seen as a mad scientist. Tesla was born in Serbia, which is where this happened. No, it's not Serbia. Is different than Siberia. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Tesla was born in Serbia and went to the United States to pursue a career as an electrical engineer. Some of his designs included generators for New York City that are powered by Niagara Falls, and they still power New York City today. He also designed the Tesla coil and another device capable of transmitting electricity wirelessly. In the later years of his life, Tesla began to struggle with failing mental and physical health. And during these years, Tesla talked of devices he created but kept secret. It's interesting to me because Tesla himself spoke many times of creating a machine that could make war obsolete. Could he have been referring to this death ray and the Tunguska event was one of his experiments? He claimed that the death ray, or as he called it, the teleforce, would use particles projected like bullets. As he described it, My apparatus projects particles which may be relatively large or of microscopic dimensions, enabling us to convey a small area in a great distance, trillions of times more energy than is possible with rays of any kind. Many thousands of horsepower can thus be transmitted by a stream thinner than a hair so that nothing can resist. So basically, he can shoot particles that will kill you in far, far distances. This seems like this might be what happened. (laughs) (laughs) One story alleges that he test-fired this death ray on the evening of June 30th, 1908. And once he found out about the Tunguska event, he dismantled the alleged weapon, deeming it too dangerous to remain in existence. So debate and speculation about this event is to be expected, and it's fun to ponder the what-ifs. And the Tunguska event is no stranger to debate and speculation, as there are still many questions that remain, such as how big was the object and what was the object made of, because there was some sort of weird object that went through the sky. The best and most long-standing theory is that the event was the result of a cosmic impact from an asteroid or comet. In recent years, some researchers have found evidence to prove that the asteroid actually exploded over the Earth, rather than hit the ground. 
And while the explosion is generally attributed to the airburst of a stony meteoroid that was about 100 meters in size, weighing 617,000 tons, which is more than 10 times the weight of the Titanic, it is classified as an impact event despite no impact crater ever being found. So that part was like kind of confusing to me when I read that. But what I kind of think happened is that when the event actually happened, the Tunguska event, they're like, it was an impact, a meteor hit the earth, and this is you know, what we think has happened. And then as they've done more research, they're like, oh no, nothing did hit the earth, but they're still classifying it as an impact event for whatever reason. And that's just my guess. I don't know because I'm not an astrophysicist. But because I know that Dakota, you love the unknown, more recent supercomputer simulations suggest that the asteroid that caused the damage may have been smaller than originally thought. So not 10 times the weight of the Titanic. This theory relies on the idea that as the asteroid exploded in Earth's atmosphere, it would have generated a supersonic jet of expanding superheated gas. This fireball would have caused blast waves that are stronger at the surface than previously thought. And at the same time, prior estimates may have been overstated because of the devastation that the event caused. The forest that back then was unhealthy, according to the foresters, would not have taken as much energy to blow down the trees. And in addition, the wind from the explosion would naturally get amplified above ridgelines, making the explosion seem more powerful than it actually was. Owing to the remoteness of the site and the limited instrumentation available at the time of the event, modern scientific interpretations of its cause and magnitude have relied chiefly on damage assessments and geological studies conducted many years after the actual event. Since 1928, more than 40 expeditions have explored the site, taking samples from the soil, rocks, and even trees flattened by the explosion, with ambiguous results. Hmm. Some seismic and air pressure wave registrations recorded immediately after the blast survive to this day, and surveys of the devastated forest mapped some 30 years later. It is because of the lack of hard data, like a crater or a meteorite, and conflicting accounts of the event that we have widely varying plausibility of events that have developed over time. So all of these theories could be true, and they don't really know. You know, I love that shit. Well, they don't <laughs> They don't know. <laughs> these studies have given us different estimates of the meteorite's size, somewhere between 50 to 90 meters in length. They have come up with this estimate based on guessing whether the object entered the atmosphere with a low or a high speed. It is also estimated that the shockwave from the airburst would have measured 5.0 on the Richter magnitude scale, uh, and estimates of an en- of its energy have ranged from 3 to 30, so that's a big jump, megatons of TNT. This is 1,000 times more powerful than the atom bomb dropped on Hiroshima. Oh. An explosion of this magnitude would be capable of destroying a large metropolitan area. Since the 1908 event, there have been almost 1,000 scholarly papers, and most of them in Russian, published about the event. And in 2013, a team of researchers published the results of an analysis of microsamples from a peat bog near the center of the affected area, which show that the fragments may be of extraterrestrial origin. Woo! No, extraterrestrial just means not of this Earth. Yeah, aliens. Well, it could be a rock that doesn't come from this Earth. Fuck you, it's aliens. (laughs) The most recent theory, written about by Forbes in 2020, suggests that this asteroid that caused the event didn't actually hit Earth, as I have stated before, and entered the atmosphere over Siberia, passed westwards, leaving the atmosphere over Europe, causing a series of air bursts in midair, and leaving behind a plume of dust in the upper atmosphere. I said atmosphere a lot there. This explains the series of observed explosions and the flattened trees in Siberia and the reports of glowing clouds over Europe after the event. And there are recent examples of similar things. On August 10th, 1972, an asteroid with an estimated 14 meters diameter passed within 60 kilometers of Earth, 
causing a fireball in the sky to be seen about from Utah to Alberta. On February 15th in 2013, a fireball streaked over the Russian city of Chelblinsk and exploded. I don't know if you remember seeing that, like, on the, like, the dash cam footage, like the YouTube dash cams. Uh, uh, no, I, uh, oh. I don't know, but it, it, it went, it went by in a blink of an eye. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. The light from this meteor was brighter than the sun and visible from up to 100 kilometers away. Some witnesses also felt intense heat from the fireball, and the explosion generated a bright flash as well as a large shockwave injuring about 1,500 people. Oh. The Tunguska event is the largest impact event on Earth in recorded history, though much larger impacts have occurred in prehistoric times. Think the dinosaurs. It has been mentioned numerous times in popular culture and has also inspired real-world discussion of asteroid impact avoidance. Discovering the size and makeup of whatever hit at Tunguska could shed light on how often such a devastating impact might take place. According to NASA Research Center planetary scientist David Morrison, As interesting though Tunguska is, I'm more interested in the next Tunguska. We know small objects are far more numerous than large ones are, so we want to see how much damage they might be able to do. So Dakota, what do you think? Let me tell you what I think about how we can prevent us from getting hit by asteroids and meteors. Here's what we do. We attach giant jet-type rocket things to each side of the Earth, and when one is coming, we just activate it, on the one side, and it shoots us out of the way. So there's my... (laughs) (laughs) There's so many things wrong with that thought. (laughs) We're in, like, a very... We're, like, in a sweet spot, and I think if we, like, even, like, moved just, like, a couple hundred kilometers to either side, we wouldn't get the right amount of sun, and we'd all die. Well, here's the thing. I didn't know there was any dumb ideas, and now I know there are. I I didn't say that. There are no... (laughs) You see me doing wrong with that ideas. I just, as you were saying, as soon as you said uh, they're planning to, like... Think of ways to avoid meteors or whatever. I was like, that's exactly what came to mind. I'm like, let's just do this. <laughs> I know it's, it won't work, but also, it sounds Earth cool. doesn't like really have sides. It's a circle. I like thought it was sphere. a square. Uh, anyways, yeah, flat, what do I think about this? Uh, very interesting that it was definitely aliens or Tesla. Not a meteor though. That can't be. That's too easy. <laughs> that's the thing is that it's too easy. And man, you got listeners are learning so much about me. I'm, uh, I'm really into cannibalism. I, uh, I, I just well, if that would make more sense if you've seen last week's episode. I'm not actually into cannibalism. <laughs> I just, I, I, I love aliens. You know, I'm just a, uh, there's all kinds of wackadoo. But very interesting. I am intrigued at what happened, and I, 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 I we never will know. Well, most likely, but I want to. The truth is out there. It is. Yeah. So anyways, my rating, 8.5. That's what I got last week. No, you didn't. You got an 8 eight last week. No, I got an 8.5. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Okay, maybe you did. I listened to it today, so you're probably right. <laughs> and I have a bad memory. Now let me finish. 8.5. Aliens are definitely real. Of 10. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. And, I mean, you could have just been happy you got an eight point you want me to lower it you want an eight huh you want to sleep on the couch tonight you would never do that i would never do that. <laughs> well that's all we have for this week we'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us if you enjoyed listening to what we had to say please download our podcast from apple spotify or google or wherever you get your podcasts leave a review or tell your friends about us as she passes me the phone so i can read off of it 
If you want to stay in contact or see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian. Or if you want to shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted, you can email us at thereluctanthistorian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. And remember, listeners, don't be a chikarian. <laughs>